This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We have reached the stage of my desperation for a haircut that I had to wear a hat when I left my house today. Your boy's got to get a fresh one. I don't think, I don't think it's take bad. take my hat off. Now, you don't do hair like I do hair. Oh, right. Check this out, though. There's a lot happening. Looks like your hair. Uh, Doesn't look like his hair. It's just hair. Your boy it looks fun. Yeah. I My wife said to me today, she's like, you planning on getting a haircut anytime oh, soon? Oh, that's like, tough. That's what it is then. When, like, when the wife tough. says it, yeah. I mean, she's in my is. head a little bit, but I, I've been thinking about this for weeks. Just undercutting you on a rebound right there. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not one of those, I think it looks fine, whatever you want to do. That's what my wife says to me. You want tickets to go see Nickelback. We're your guys. All week long on Grant and Danny. Congrats to caller 10 right now at 800-636-1067. You're winning a pair of tickets to the Get Rolling Tour. Brantley Gilbert, Josh Ross, August 26th, Jiffy Lube Live. Buy your tickets now at LiveNation.com, courtesy of Live Nation. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. We'll discuss the Caps going into their break, the Commanders as well, but we'll start things off on the hardwood. The Wizards gunning for a seventh straight win. Didn't get a chance to keep it going and add a game against the Pistons postponed last night, but they are home. 7 o'clock tip, Portland Trail Blazers this evening. Chase Hughes, NBCSportsWashington.com joins us now. Chase, that was weird yesterday. You very, very rarely see games bagged like the NBA had to do because of travel. Yeah, I think for the Wizards, the last time it happened was 2016, and then it happened once in 2010. So um, very, very rare to see this. Of course, I used to cover baseball, so I'm accustomed to it. But um, these games are played indoors, so it's not often that weather plays a factor like that. And in this case, it was a game in Detroit, but the weather issues were actually in Dallas because the Pistons played the Mavericks, and couldn't fly home to face the Wizards. So we don't have a makeup date for it yet, but obviously the NBA has been through these types of contingency plans many times before, particularly the last few years with games being affected by the coronavirus. So they'll find a date, but for the Wizards, they just got to find a way to keep it rolling, as you mentioned, six straight games. And now they've got a little bit of extra time off as they try to 
uh, keep their hot streak going. Chase, I I know who I am at this point. I I know that I'm a joy sponge and I'm Peter the pessimist and I always believe an anvil is going to hit me in the head as soon as I take my next step, et cetera. But I was talking to my buddy who's the opposite, right? He's a Wizards fan. He's like, I I believe the the, the turn has come here. They finally found the ingredients, I tell you. They're on the way up. Where does the truth lie with how good this team is? Like in terms of their ceiling, I here's what I argued. I want to get your take. I think they can be right there with Atlanta at, at their maximum. I think they're better than the Knicks. I don't think they're as good as Miami, though. I think they're that's kind of where their cap is to me around that six or seven seed. Do you agree with me? What do you think? Well, Miami's been really good. I do think there's going to be a larger gap if you fast forward a few weeks from now between the top six teams and the rest of the conference because it took a while for Miami to wake up, but. Uh, they're regularly in the top two or three seeds every year. They've got so much talent. So um, if you're gunning for that sixth seed, I think it's going to become increasingly difficult to catch them. But I think we're seeing that the Wizards are pretty good when they're healthy. I think they're probably a slightly above average team or above 500 team, I should say, when healthy. Their problem this year has been staying healthy. And when they aren't healthy, the bottom's kind of falling out. So I think the glass half full of view of things would be that when they are healthy, they're pretty good and they've got – an opportunity to get better uh, ahead of the trade deadline, which has traditionally been a big strength for Tommy Shepard. So if they can plug in some of the gaps, you know, I think maybe add some depth, add some shooting, maybe they can raise the floor of their team and get into the playoffs. And maybe as a seven or eight seed, you know, catching Miami might be difficult, uh, but we'll see how things go because, again, Tommy Shepard has done a pretty nice job with the trade deadline the last few years. Chase, I've got the trade deadline as a week from today. If that is the case, the, the February 9th deadline, which is what I think we're looking at, I mean, what are you expecting? You kind of just spoke vaguely, but what could we see them do? I think at this point there'll be buyers. I don't know if it'll be a, to a significant degree. Um, I don't think they're going to be sellers anymore. If you asked me a few weeks ago, maybe that would have been my prediction. But now that they've won a few games and they've gotten themselves you know, firmly into the playing picture, maybe they – uh, can add something and, and try to make a playoff push and at least put them in position to compete in a playoff series if they're able to get there. I think adding three-point shooting uh, and or some defense would probably be the best way uh, to go about it. You know, Their three-point shooting continues to be below average, and we've seen this season them struggle particularly on the road when it comes to three-point shooting. I think Kendrick Nunn could help that over time, but it's clear that they could continue to add three-point shooting. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be buyers to a great degree, but you know I was a little bit surprised uh, last year when they got Kristaps Porzingis. You know, the, all I think signs pointed to them to being uh, to pointing as them being sellers, and they ended up going out and getting a, a borderline all-star player. So maybe a deal like that will come across this time. But at this point, I would I would guess they'll be buyers, but to a small degree. So Chase, you mentioned three-point shooting, and and individually there are some guys that can really shoot the three like Corey Kispert shooting 42 percent from three granted it doesn't take like six or seven a night but he's buckets Bradley Beal is is kind of back on the good foot there when it comes to shooting threes at 36 percent you know Kuzma's range and Porzingis is a is a good shooter at times maybe a bit streaky why don't they shoot threes better as a team well there's been this split uh between home and road where at home they're an above average three-point shooting team and Mm -hmm. on the road this season they've been the worst team in the league, both in terms of three-point percentage and three-pointers made for um, just about the entire season so far. So that is one thing that definitely stands out in the numbers. And then I also think just uh, shot creation, guys being able to shoot uh, threes off the dribble at a high percentage has been lacking from their team. But 
Um, generally, it's just been the road. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis, for instance, shoots over 40% uh, at home and below 30% on the road. So there's this been there's been this huge contrast in how they've uh, performed shooting threes based on the locations of the game. So um, maybe just getting more three-point shooters would help change that or maybe more veteran three-point shooters. But that's been the problem. How they fix it, I'm not sure. Wiz looking for an extra point, a seventh straight win tonight. They take on the Blazers at home. Thank you, Chase. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. See 7 bro. o'clock tip this evening at Cap One Arena. Uh, tomorrow, I guess, is that game. Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. I said tonight, I think. All right. Uh, Capitals. Beg your pardon. Let's talk, Puck. No Caps game for the next 11 days. They are on hiatus. The All-Star break has begun. Sunrise is where the All-Star festivities are taking place. Matt Wyrick, NBCSportsWashington.com. Matt, I saw that Ovi and Crosby are going to be teamed up in the same competition. That's always a blast. What do we know about the skills comps and the All-Star festivities this weekend? Yeah, this is uh, maybe a rare chance for fans to see the two of them sharing the same side. They'll, of course, also be on the Metropolitan team. uh, So they'll get the chance to share the ice a little bit more than they're used to uh, this week, obviously, to a... players that have been paired together throughout their entire career. So awesome to see them get a chance to kind of build off each other. And, you know, maybe they can show these young guys uh, how it's done because they're two of pretty much the oldest players in the NHL by a wide margin uh, at this all-star game. Matt, I think I got this right. I I was trying to find it just now. I don't have it in front of me. But I believe they've got, talking about the Capitals, one excellent month, two months below 500, and then one month like a game over 500. That excellent month is really kind of doing a lot of heavy lifting here for the squadron. I started to think where they'd be if they were just normal in that given month. Kind of where does the truth lie? What's missing? You know, what do they need to kind of get back close to that excellent month? Yeah, you know, I think up and down is is the perfect way to describe the season, whether you talk about their performances within individual games or as a season as a whole. As you mentioned, they've had some really big highs. December was one of the best months uh, in recent memory for this team, and it, you know, they're coming off a 6-7-1 and one month of, of January when it looked like they were finally getting their roster back together. So injuries have played a big factor. The scheduling has played a big factor. But ultimately, you know, this January month was one where they got a few big names back, uh, but they just didn't gel right away. Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson both making their season debuts on January 5th. And it was a, a little bit – it took a little bit of time for those guys to get going, for guys around them to adapt to their new teammates and their skill sets and things like that. A lot of new faces on this team as well that hadn't played with these guys before. So – there were a lot of kinks to work out in January, and I think we definitely saw that. But they get a much-needed break here as a couple of guys are trying to heal up, and we'll see what they look like coming out of the break. Schedule's intense right after the break, not only in terms of how many games and the number of nights that they're playing, but also the quality of the opponents stockpiled. A lot of Eastern Conference opponents as it's going to be a complete fight for the postseason. It's going to be a blast to watch. Who's got to step up their game? Give us some players that you would say have to shine the rest of the way for the Capitals to punch a ticket to the playoffs? Well, I think Nicholas Backstrom taking a continues, continuing to take steps forward. We've seen him now starting to make some impacts on the power play, which has been really huge for this team, considering the up-and-down nature of that group as well this year. The power play, as of late, really has been struggling, but Backstrom has provided a bit of a spark on that end. So particularly with the man advantage, but just in general, for him to continue to get his legs under him and, and to show signs that he still is Backstrom because they need him to be that player. You know, they haven't had a primary number two option this year in terms of scoring great depth. The depth has shown up at at times all year, but certainly having Backstrom be that number two guy to a veteran would be a huge boost to the team. 
And, and I would say Darcy Kemper as well. He's had, kind of had a rocky month. Uh, you know, some really nice games, a couple of shutouts there in January, but also uh, a couple of clunkers there too. So for him to be a little bit more consistent moving forward, I think would be huge, you know, for this team and just having the complete package that they showed back in December. Matt, I, I'm, I'm focused on a, on Kuznetsov here. I, he's on pace for, you know, almost 60 assists. That part of his game is there. It's been there, et cetera. But the goal-scoring touch, even the other night notwithstanding, when he netted the winner in OT, isn't there. Second on the team in shots, but only seven goals. I just kind of can't have that. I'm not saying he's got to be a 50-goal scorer or something like that, but you need more production out of him. Certainly the Capitals would love to see him uh, take a step forward in that department. And and something I know he's been working on, working to to make a bigger part of his game, is his passing has been excellent. You mentioned he's having a great season from an assist standpoint and really put that on display, I think, in that game as well with kind of a a spinning behind-the-back type pass uh, to set up a goal early on in the game. You know, I think he has been every bit uh, as much the, the table setter as they needed him to be, but certainly they'd love to get a few more goals out of him moving forward. And we've seen it time and time again from him over his career that he can be that type of player. So the potential is there. We appreciate you, Matt. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy your limited time off here before things ramp back up. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right, be good. See you, bud. Caps, hiatus, and then they're back at it a little over a week from now. Let's keep it moving. One year commanders. They have been the commanders for one calendar year. 2 2, 22, a year ago today. I can't say we found out they were the commanders because we already knew, but we confirmed. It it became official. Surprise. Uh, Matt Paris of the Washington Times joins us. How would you sum up year one of the commanders as as an entity, as a thing? Uh, Very eventful. I mean, you just think about all that happened. you know, Pete Haley made a one-year anniversary of how the season went a couple of weeks ago, and that was really just, you know, you saw everything that happened. I mean, the team is up for sale pretty much, and uh, it was eventful and also kind of business as usual because it was another chaotic year, which has kind of been the M.O. under Snyder. So I feel like the the crazy person I'm getting yelled at a lot, and I'm perfectly willing to wear that here, Matt, where Ron Rivera, again, is not at the Senior Bowl, wasn't there last year. They still have some business to attend to probably, and he's you know at, at a Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and everyone's yelling at me that he should be able to live his life. I guess I wonder then, what's the actual structure? If he's not needed at these various locales, then I kind of wonder who is. Like, what, like who, who reports to whom, and... I, it's a very big general question here, but I'm wondering if it's if it's not that important that he's involved. Somebody's involved somewhere. Who's doing the real heavy lifting here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney are definitely the, the key guys that report to him. I mean, Rivera still has a lot of influence, a lot of say uh, in the process. I think he's making a lot of the, the final calls, but, you know, Mayhew and the Martys basically are, are doing the heavy lifting of uh, getting, you know, scouting and the list together and evaluating the players. You know, Jack Del Rio is down there and the defensive staff, they're looking at players. So, you know, I, I do, I, I don't know how much of a deal to make to the senior bowl. I understand what you're saying, but I don't necessarily know how many other coaches uh, are down there. I know Rivera is a little bit different because he is, has such uh, say over, the, the personnel process, but, uh, you know, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney, the, those are the guys that Rivera trusts and turns to. 
Matt, we asked this last hour, and I want to get your thoughts. 19 days ago, the commanders did what they could to get the word out, basically, that Sam Howell is actually going to be the starter this coming season. Do you buy that as written in Sharpie, that it's Sam Howell as plan A? Or do you think they're actually still very much in play for some of the other bigger-named QBs, and they were just kind of floating that as a change-of-pace conversation? Um, I would say it's written in pen. Stronger than pencil, maybe not as strong as Sharpie. I'd be really surprised if they made like a, a big, splashy move at, at quarterback. But is there a quarterback they fall in love with in the draft, or um, does a does a veteran that they bring in beat out Sam Howell? I wouldn't be surprised at that. It's just I do think they're going to give Howell opportunities to start. I mean, that's, that's what I've been told anyway. Are they going to pay Deron Payne? Are they going to franchise tag Deron Payne? Or are they going to prioritize other guys? It's uh, me, but I mean, I think a franchise tag makes a lot of sense. It's the route that they've gone down before. This regime was comfortable using it with Brandon Sheriff. I mean, that didn't work out for them in the long run, but I think they're willing to roll it back. I mean, it would make sense to bring Payne back and then use that year to evaluate to see if Fedarian Mathis, the guy that they drafted last year, hoping he'd be ready to, to slot in for Payne eventually to see if he's ready to fill that void. But, um, you know, I, I think they can afford the $19 million. It just depends. You know, if you're not bringing – Paying back, what are you doing with Cam Curl? Are you going to give him an extension, Montez Sweat? Uh, I guess my question would be, what are they doing with the money if they don't bring him back? Um, so I, I kind of think it does make sense to try. You you did a really nice uh, research piece where, where you showed what they were with and without Cam Curl defensively. I, I think maybe he's not undervalued, but more important to lock up than people think. Like We talk so much about pain, where they've already got Allen under contract. Sweat, where you know they have options, including Chase Young, whatever you think of him. I mean, Curl seems like an invaluable asset right now. I agree. I would rather pay Cam Curl uh, than Deron Payne in the long run. I mean, I think keeping the status quo of Payne around, using the franchise tag on him for this season makes sense. But in the long run, I would be trying to lock up Curl and Payne. I mean, for people who didn't see the tweet, it was a touchdowns difference basically with cam curl on the field versus not they gave him 25 points per game without him in the five games he missed and 18 with him on the field some of that was different circumstances like the beginning of the season they were still working out um some things but you know he's a really important player for what they do matt thank you as always buddy enjoy the rest of your week thank you matt paris of the washington times yesterday was tom brady's day and we gave him his day We just spent a lot of time talking about how great he is. And he is great. One of the greatest to ever do it. Maybe even the best to ever do it. But can we also acknowledge that he was a little bit lucky too? Next on Grant and Danny. I'll get to the point. Right away, I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super 
emotional retirement essay and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Tom Brady says goodbye on the exact day one year later, February 1st, of his first retirement. Came back 40 days later, 8-9 and nine season, blown out in the playoffs, and now he retires again. And this time it seems like it's for real. As we welcome you back, Grant and Danny on the fan, 30 minutes from now, top of the hour. The one-year anniversary today, day after Brady's retirement last year, of the Commanders becoming the Commanders. We'll check in with you one year later to see how you're feeling coming up at 5 o'clock. So yesterday, I think we did the right thing. Tom Brady's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Mm -hmm. The most accomplished NFL player ever. More championships than Michael Jordan and so many of the best to have ever lived. He won more titles than any quarterback probably ever will. He played in more Super Bowls than any quarterback probably ever will. There is no passer in the history of the sport that has a better resume, that accomplished more, that won more than Tom Brady. One of the best to ever do it. Maybe the best to ever do it. I know a lot of people think he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I just wonder if we can have a little conversation. Okay. If we are mature enough to be able to say that while Brady is one of the best ever and absolutely unbelievable, and to give him his roses and say, wow, you're great, if we can also just acknowledge that he is one of the luckiest athletes who has ever lived. I don't know why this makes you laugh, but it does. I'm it's sorry. really not that funny. I know. I'm sorry. I want you to Go laugh. Ahead. If you want to laugh, you should laugh. I know. I'm sorry. If you want to cry, you should cry. Okay. Okay? But as we all sit around and talk about this career and how amazing it was, and it was amazing, someone, and if that's me, I'll gladly do it, against everyone's better judgment, has to at least acknowledge the elephant in the room which was that this guy had a horseshoe up his tuchus from day one, okay? And every now and then he'd reach way in there and he'd pull that horseshoe out and wave it around. And he would accidentally win a Super Bowl. Uh-huh. So, with that in mind, what I'm going to do, I told Ryan this, I didn't have the time yesterday and today. What I actually plan on doing at some point, and this is going to take hours, I mean this, this is going to take days. Mm -hmm. Some people write books, Okay, some people build cars. I'm going to do the ultimate. Here's all of the plays in Tom Brady's career where he had good fortune. Log that people will talk about and point to for the rest of time. It will be the project that is cited for years and years and years, and I'm going to post it. Okay? It'll, be, it'll be your magnum opus, your definitive work. I'm going to go back to his first game, and I am going to... Watch every one of those games and point out the number of times that something fortuitous took place that led to Tom Brady winning. But what I did just as a quick and dirty scratching of the surface exercise today was I just went through his Super Bowls, okay? Not the play-by-play -play specifically. I didn't rewatch every single game, okay? I just kind of went through some of the Super Bowl runs and the big games and just kind of off the top of my head. Top of your head. This is now I did a little digging into some box scores as well. Okay. This is just the stuff as I remembered it. 
sometimes as a kid, sometimes as a teenager, because since I can remember as a child, Tom Brady's been winning 19 years between Super Bowls. Amazing. You guys are going to hear what you want to hear. I'm a hater, though. I hate Brady, though. What part of he's amazing and he had an amazing career can't you get through your head? Also, he's a lucky guy. He's really lucky. We should all be so lucky. Okay? First Super Bowl run. I'd like to remind you of a little play called the Tuck Rule. The Tuck Rule. He's not a Super Bowl champion that first year. He may not even be the starter the following season, his words, not mine, if not for a terrible call when he fumbled in the snow while the Patriots in the late fourth quarter had all of 10 points, I'm so sure, by the way, in a 13-10 deficit at the hands of the Raiders. He fumbles, the Raiders recover, the game's over. Except, no, it isn't. They called it an incompletion. Good fortune. Lucky. That wasn't the AFC Championship game, by the way. The next week in the AFC Championship game, he got hurt and left the game. And Drew Bledsoe came in and won the damn game. Okay? No one talks about that. Brady? I'd not... forgotten about well, that. Well, there's a lot of things you forgot about that I'm going to remind you of today. <laughs> People need to sit down and take their medicine. Okay? AFC Championship game. If you know why you forgot about it? Because no one's ever mentioned it. <laughs> because somehow Tom Brady sitting on his ass on the sideline is why they won that game. Okay? Bledsoe and the Patriots win the AFC Championship game. Awesome. Cordell Stewart's picked off three times. Brady didn't have any of those interceptions last check. In the Super Bowl, that's the Rams Super Bowl. I was there, Super Bowl 36 that's in right, New Orleans. Yeah. Great Super Bowl. Amazing. 140 yards and a touchdown. Mark Brunel called. He wants his box score back. Okay? Adam Vinatieri trots out and hits a 50-yard game-winning field goal. That is like a 50-50 type proposition, right? Mm-hmm. Adam Vinatieri from 50 for the win. By the way, what good fortune it must have been that every time you ever needed a huge kick to win a big game, including a Super Bowl, Adam Vinatieri just split the uprights. If you played for Washington, all of these kicks get missed. All of them. They're just eight Botch yards. snap. Exactly. One gets blocked by Seattle. Truck Bryant gets it. Splits the uprights from 50. They win the Super Bowl. 140 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. That's Super Bowl number one. Just again, I'm not going in great detail here. I'm not digging the six miles underground. This is scratching the surface. Super Bowl number two, mm-hmm. he had an incredible game against the Panthers. I give him full credit for that. He put up some numbers. Normally a caretaker, normally handing the ball off. He had to sling it around against Jake DeLome in Carolina. But what you sleep on is on his little game-winning drive for that game-winning field goal. Remember where that drive started, Danny? No. The 40-yard line. Oh. After great kicker John Casey inexplicably, in the biggest kickoff of his life, kicked the ball out of bounds. He kicked it out of bounds. He kicked the ball out of bounds. If you played for Washington, dumb kick returner fumbles and you start at your own nine. If you play for a normal team, return to the 17-yard line, you better go 83 yards. Tom Brady marches like 13 yards to get a game-winning field goal after John Casey kicks the ball out of bounds. Don't know how it happened. Don't know why it happened. Now, he didn't finish the drive. He had to call on Adam Vinatieri again to come in and just make a game-winning field goal. Must be nice. Again, Tom Brady, hell of a game. Not taken away from him. Good fortune slash awesome player. Third Super Bowl. We're now at the Super Bowl. I was at this one. Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney performing at halftime. Hey, Jude. Don't get me down. We'll take a lucky and make him legend. Remember to act like he's 
Never been lucky. Okay. Performing at halftime, right? I remember those lyrics. I do, yeah. Donovan McNabb picked off three times. Brady's second pick was the best of the game, I'll say. Like, that second interception was great. Touchdown drives in that game for that vaunted Brady offense of 37 and 43 yards. That's plus territory, friends. 37 and 43 yards. Must be nice. Eagles get the ball back into the game trying to go win it. You remember anything about that drive? I think Donovan McNabb vomited. Mm, that's real interesting. Opposing quarterback is vomiting all over everyone's feet like it's a scene out of the replacements because he's sick all of a sudden. Good fortune. Luck. Are you great? Yes. Are you one of the best ever? Yes. How nice it must be that as McNabb's trying to go on the drive of his life, I suddenly have a bellyache. The horseshoe, man. The Tom Brady horseshoe. I remember him duking. Yeah, it was quite gross. Super Bowl number three. There's another Super Bowl appearance, by the way. He he was in 10 Super Bowls when Billy Cundiff missed a 32-yard field goal for the Baltimore Ravens by 50 feet so that the Patriots could go to a Super Bowl. 32 yards. Danny once said, I'll kick five field goals. I'll make them all from 52. He would have made that one. Billy Cundiff. 32 yards, missed, Tom Brady, horseshoe. Anyway, they didn't win that one. Fourth Super Bowl, AFC title game, they win it. They allowed seven points to the Colts in that game. Now, I didn't mention that they were recording everyone's every second of every moment as, right. a, as an organization, the deflate gate, but now we're doing the, 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 the deflated football thing and the Colts score seven points. It all came from that game, remember? That's right, yeah. That 45-7 game. The defense shoved it on him. Seven points allowed. Running back ran for 150 yards. Defense picks off Andrew Luck two times. That's the AFC Championship game. Yep. Defense pitches a near shutout, right? The next week, the Seahawks lose a Super Bowl game against the Patriots. Remember how that game ended? Terrible time management. You get down to the go- the one-yard line. The one-yard line. And because they didn't... And what Brady do? Well, Brady was on the sideline. He's dur- on the sideline. During the interception. It- Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So it wasn't him that picked off Russell Wilson. No, no. Oh, okay. Interesting. There's an interception at the goal line. So it's a team game. Yep. Interesting. Malcolm Butler. Seahawks, one-yard line. Run the ball. Run the dang ball. They throw a screen. Or, excuse me, a slant. Malcolm Butler pick. Super Bowl win. If Daryl Bevel runs the ball, that's one less ring. You can't tell me that's not some good fortune. A little bit of luck. That The point is not... To tell you Tom Brady's not great. Although he had 11 completions to a running back in that game. If Kirk Cousins would have done it, you'd have called him a jackass, okay? He checks the ball down. Tom Brady does it. Man, does he make good decisions. Winner. You're a hypocrite. You're a bunch of hypocrites with this guy, okay? Fifth Super Bowl. Falcons collapse. All-time collapse. Edelman makes the ridiculous catch. The dumbest catch in the history of catches. I still can't believe that catch, by the way. So good. What people forget is that the Atlanta defender, whose name I've forgotten, has the ball for 96% of that play. It's interception. It is. They needed every one of those touchdown drives in the second half. I give Brady so much credit for that game, by the way. Architect, orchestrating the comeback, just chopping wood, swinging that axe little by little by little, trying to knock trees down, right? He threw 16 passes to running backs. I'm the one that thinks that's okay, not you guys. You guys hate when people throw to running backs because you know it's it speaks less of the quarterback position for whatever reason. 
The Falcons didn't get the ball in overtime. That rule's been changed now. A lot of rules that benefited him, by the way, have been changed now, like the tuck rule and the fact that he beat the Chiefs and the Falcons when they didn't get the ball in overtime. Because the, the Literally, the coin toss went his way. The coin toss said, oh, Tom Brady gets the ball first. So they went and scored. Game over. By the way, one of the scoring drives in the second half while the Falcons were collapsing offensively uh-huh. and went punt, 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 end of the game, a 25-yard scoring drive for the Patriots in that game. That's Super Bowl number five. Super Bowl number six. Before the Super Bowl, sixth Super Bowl, this is final Super Bowl with the Patriots, we got that Chiefs game. He throws an interception. Kansas City gets the ball back. Looks like they're going to win. Except that, if you remember, when the Patriots got the ball back, D. Ford lined up offsides. Lined up offsides. He just forgot how to line up. Horseshoe. Forgot where to stand. Horseshoe. And then the rules said that Patrick Mahomes didn't get to try to touch the ball either. By the good fortune of a coin, luck, Mahomes and that offense didn't get to go on the field, did they? Travis Kelsey just had to watch. Three points in that game, by the way, heading into the fourth quarter in that Super Bowl for the Patriots. They played the Rams. They had three points after three quarters going into the fourth quarter. They won 13-3 to by 10 points. In that game, in Super Bowl number 6 for Tom Brady, zero touchdowns and one interception and 150 yards. 3-3 to game after three quarters. The first eight drives of that game for the Rams against the Patriots defense, all punts. Five of them were on three and outs. Three to three after three quarters. Mm. Seventh Super Bowl. This is the last one, guys. I'm almost done, I promise. Seventh Super Bowl in a COVID year, okay? For the first time in the history of the Super Bowl, the Bucs played a game in their home stadium with the Lombardi Trophy on the line. It had never happened before in 55 years that a team had gotten to play a Super Bowl at home. Tom Brady got to, didn't he? Horseshoe. Now, played well. Good for him. Played really well that game. By the way, one of his best Super Bowls against the Eagles. Loses that game. That was bad luck, right? Raymond James Stadium, Tampa, Florida, the site of the Super Bowl. That was after they got, you know, their first round was tough. They had to play 7-9 and nine Washington in the playoffs. Oh, but, man. But they had to go on the road, in fairness. Gauntlet. No fans in the stands because of COVID. Horseshoe, say Heineke. it with me. They had to beat Heineke. They had to beat Taylor Heineke on the road without fans in the stands. They did that. Then they beat the Saints, running for 120 yards, sub-200 passing yards. One of the drives in that playoff win against the Saints and this this was one of the uh, ser- and I I've been I've been being a jerk but I will say this was an unbelievable drive. One play 3 yard scoring <laughs> drive for a touchdown. Okay? One play 3 yard scoring drive for a touchdown against the Saints in that right, game. What about the NFC title game against Green Bay? That was a great game. In that game, oh. he threw three picks. Yeah. And Kevin King, the cornerback for the Packers, forgot where he was on the field and cost his team the game. Horse shoe. Horse, shoe, luck. Other touchdown drives in that Saints game, by the way, before the terrible Bucks game uh, against the Packers where he threw three picks. Included five plays for 40 yards and four plays for 20 yards. Those are touchdown drives. 40 yards, 20 yards, and three yards. Are you kidding me? Saints got the ball into the game. Last four drives. Fumble, punt, interception, interception. What I am telling you is Tom Brady is very, very good. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever. One of the best athletes ever. I'm not denying this. What I need everyone else to acknowledge with me is he was exceptionally lucky. He had great fortune. Things always came up Brady. And what I'm asking you today, 
to do at 800-636-1067. Can we all acknowledge that he was both wonderful and the luckiest player in the history of football? Can we do both? Because I promise you, both things can be true. I yield my time. The defense rests. Look at this. Look at this. Again, that's a scratching of the surface. My, my actual project will be to I'm rewatch. I'm exhausted, by the way. I'm going to rewatch every game he ever played in. That that was a closing argument in court. Thank you. Just now. Thank you. Yeah. Not even. That, that's not even the beginning. That's the of jury. My, here's what's scary. That's my opening statement. Oh my god. For this case, eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. Great and lucky, right? You're listening to the fan. Makes it third and 11 now. The throw is what a catch! That is one of the best catches you'll ever see. It's 15 yards and it's unbelievable hands by the rookie Tyler Johnson. That's Joe Buck on the call for Fox. That was a third and 11. Brady with the Bucks, 2020 game against the Saints. Throws an errant pass toward the sideline. Some number wide receiver named Tyler Johnson lays out and makes an unbelievable, all-world, miraculous catch to keep the drive going. They would go on to get points and win the game and eventually win Super Bowl number 7 for Tom Brady, who is outstanding, who is one of the great players in any sport in history, who's one of the great athletes, most accomplished athletes of all time. And I just want everyone to acknowledge, also one of the luckiest. Can we do that, please? Is that possible? 800-636-1067. Then I'm going to have to go get water because I did lose my voice a little bit. Yes, that was, again, incredible. Um, I would say the positions of one or each of us doesn't necessarily reflect that of the entire show or 106.7 The Fan. I happen to think, I mean, the best I ever saw just in terms of as a player was Joe Montana. Mm -hmm. Career cut, short injury, we know what happened. Ultimately replaced by Steve Young as well. To me, Brady's the one seed. He's in all these opportunities for a reason. All these things where there were fortuitous bounces, et cetera. The longevity part of it, to me, get, puts him ahead of anybody else. So if you're doing an objective ranking, I end up probably putting him at number one because of those accomplishments. But again, it's hard to ignore that so many things ultimately did break in his direction, I would say. It, they, it, they, they broke in his direction somehow, some way. Including yeah. playing 20 years with the greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. And most of those 20 years with an elite defense. Elite. Now, I give him credit for taking less and not every penny occasionally and and helping them to keep a great defense together. I do. But when you play with the greatest coach of all time and you play with an elite defense as a quarterback, the business is good. Let's go to the phones. I I think I have ruffled some feathers. You have have trolled the – Grant Trollson is out. James is in Woodbridge on G&D. What's up, James? What's up, fellas? Grant, Danny, great, great, great stuff here, fellas. Listen, Grant, I don't know what it is you're on today, man, but don't come for the GOAT. I don't see you going after Jordan. I, I, I'm not talking any- bad about Peyton Manning. It's fine. I'm not. I <laughs> see what he's say, doing. I didn't say a word about Peyton Manning. I'm not coming for him. I wouldn't dare. Danny, please. Danny, will, will, you, let the, will you let me make my case here, Danny? Go for it. Please. You're up. Put, put Grant to the side. Uh, ladies and gents of the jury, listen, 
Grant is bringing up supernatural forces. Where, where in the world do we let this qualify as something that has created a legacy such as Tom Brady's supernatural forces? Danny, stop this man. You, you talk some sense He can't be stopped. Stop he can't man. be stopped. It's, that's a really funny call. Stop What you man. guys don't know, I'm going to pull the curtain back here for yeah. just a little bit. Grant's had this segment in mind. You know how, and I don't mean to be flippant about this, but you know how like newscasters will practice like the the celebrity deaths, or like they'll practice like a president passed away, like just to make sure they sound good. Grant has rehearsed this since the mid aughts. Grant's so, had this speech and this case. This has been a burr in his buttocks for the, a decade. Here's the thing: my entire life has been a building to this in some ways. <laughs> I have been sitting here watching this guy. Do nothing for 54 minutes for the last two years with the Bucks, only to then win games 20 to 18 for two years. I can't tell you how many times in my house I would see something, and I am the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like eating something and just pointing, where I'm on the couch going, horseshoe, horseshoe, that's it. You guys were at my house last year for the Rams-Bucks game yep. when inexplicably... It was like a 28-7 to game. Tom Brady was getting his teeth kicked in, and the Rams just started fumbling the ball all over the place. They fumbled snaps. They fumbled handoffs. They fumbled running after the catch. There was like three straight drives where they just kept fumbling, and all of a sudden the Bucs have a chance to win. And I walked outside, and I screamed. Do you remember any of this? Of course I do. Yeah. You guys were at my house Your for children that. were afraid. This is, this is how I watch these games. Through the lens of, where's that little horseshoe? But th- this isn't a debate about who the GOAT is. If, if you're a Tom Brady's the GOAT guy, good for you. you, you all we got to do is count up Super Bowls, and we'll rank all the quarterbacks who have ever lived. That's an easy exercise. I'll send you your list in the mail, and you can recite it, and then you can read it to everybody, okay? God bless you. If you're a uh, Peyton Manning number one like I am, or you know Aaron Rodgers is up there, whatever. Maybe you like Unitas, or you like this guy or that guy. There's a seat at the table for everyone. All I'm asking you to do is to say, hey, Grant, Tom Brady is the man. You're right. He's also exceptionally lucky. I just want you to admit he had more good fortune, he had more luck than anyone who's ever done what he's done. Anyone who's ever played that position. It must be nice. That's all I'm saying. Let's go to Vaughn, who's in Alexandria on G&D. Hey, Vaughn. What's up, Vaughn? Grant, you're better than this, Grant. You know, this is, this, you're better than this. This is Skip Bayless Hall of Shame worthy. I just Bro. want you to know that first and foremost. Don't you dare so say look, it. You know that that's a low blow. Grant Bayless. Hall of Shame worthy. So, look, this is this, 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 this honest conversation. When you do your exercise, can we go through and go through all the Super Bowls and all the teams and show you show the, the audience how lucky those teams were, like Joe Montana having the wide receivers he had, like Scott Noel miss, missing the 19-yard field goal. Like, let's go through all the teams who benefited from luck, and then let's have an honest conversation about that, how lucky Brady is. The fact of the matter is every team gets lucky. Not as much That's as he fact. does, though. But, yes, we, we could do that. It would take a lot of time, but we could do that. There are, I would say, every championship run, inevitably. Think of the Caps. Think of the Nationals. Nationals for goodness sake. Good yeah. fortune. Lots of luck. Maybe it's just because he's won more than everybody else. He has also benefited from more luck than everybody else. But the, the the other thing is, we don't sit here and say, just as an example, unequivocally that, like, 
Ben Roethlisberger or Manning or Rodgers or whoever is like, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest. So we don't need to pick nits necessarily. My point is people act like the tuck rule didn't happen. Bam, there's one Super Bowl. People act like he wasn't sitting on his ass like I was when Russell Wilson was picked off. Bam, there's two Super Bowls. People act like if the Chiefs weren't offsides, D Ford, he doesn't go to that Super Bowl. Bam, there's three. People act like Casey doesn't kick it out of bounds before a, a field goal or that, that Adam Vinatieri from 50 and 48 in these games wasn't. At that time, it sounds like nothing. Those are like 47% of the time they're made kicks. Like now, that's just what you do on a Sunday. You just kick a 50-yard field goal. At that time, that's like, he's about to kick from 50 for the Super Bowl? No chance. When you say I'm skip balancing it, here's what I need you to understand. Number one, it hurts. So if you, if you want to hurt me, if you want to hurt me, you can say that, okay? You have hurt me. That's fine. You're allowed to hurt me. I need you to also acknowledge that Tom Brady was lucky. I'm not Skip Bayless would do a bit where he's like, "Tom Brady's overrated. If he played for the Bengals, he would have had two wins in his first three seasons." I'm not doing that. I'll say it one more time. Tom Brady, one of the best athletes in the history of anything. Tom Brady Luckiest athlete all time. Great. Lucky. That's not Skip Bayless. Mm. That's called correct. Ooh. You're, you're misspelling correct. C-O-R-R-E-C-T. Grant and Danny on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 